standard issue for all women. Hello, Jen here to tell you about this episode of The Sunday Chops. Before I go into all that, obviously, the world seems a bit bleak at the moment, so I thought I would give you three reasons to be cheerful, or three reasons that I'm cheerful before we start. Number one, I've just had a grapefruit from my local greengrocers that was so good, I think I'll never buy grapefruit from Sano's ever again. Sorry, Sano's, you're otherwise doing a, a sterling job and, and keep up those efforts. Number two, the sun is shining, or at least as I record this on Thursday, the sun is shining and I can't predict the future. And in my experience, neither can BBC weather with any real kind of accuracy. So I don't know if it will still be shining on Sunday, but, you know, think about this sunny moment if it's not. Number three, Hannah Dunleavy has revealed to me that the O.J. Simpson documentary, O.J. Simpson Made in America, is currently on the iPlayer. And I'm telling you, you've got nine hours to spare. You won't regret it. Speaking of Hannah Dunleavy, we've got two episodes of Chops for you today. And in the other episode, she will be chatting to the wonderful people of the Royal Chemistry Society about their bullying in the workplace campaign. Or rather, I mean, I'm guessing a campaign not to bully in the workplace, because that is the ideal scenario here. Meanwhile, in this episode... I am talking to Neve O'Keefe, a leadership advisor and author of the new book, Future Shaper, How Leaders Can Take Charge in an Uncertain World. And Christ knows we could do a bit of leadership right now, couldn't we, guys? Anyway, I'm not going to get bogged down in the negativity of all that because we are trying to remain upbeat. So we did record this about a week ago and the world is changing pretty rapidly at the moment. So some of our references to coronavirus might be already out of date because since we chatted we've gone into lockdown which reminds me of the x factor every time i say it i digress and also i think at the time there may have been a bit of uncertainty there probably still is a little bit of uncertainty about whether the results of the labor leadership contest would be announced and how at the time of recording i believe that the announcement will go ahead on the 2nd of april but in a sort of scaled down version where they don't I presumably have like live cameras on the reaction of David Miliband, if you remember that sad, sad time. You can probably get a sense for the lack of human interaction I've had by the length of this message. So I'm going to leave it here. I hope you enjoy this. I think it's very, very interesting. And um, yeah, dig in. I'm joined via the wonder of modern technology by Neve O'Keefe, author of new book Future Shaper, How Leaders Can Take Charge in an Uncertain World and a Leadership Advisor. And Neve, it really is quite an uncertain world at the moment. So thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jen. I'm very happy to talk about it. Yes, a lot to talk about in relation to how leaders can behave now in a crisis and what to do. Absolutely. So when I first approached you to talk about this book, we were going to focus mostly on the Labour leadership election and things around Mm -hmm. that. But obviously things have taken a bit of a turn since then. So maybe we'll come back to that in a minute, if that's okay. But I wondered, first of all, if you could say a little bit about obviously what we're experiencing at the moment, sort of unprecedented, really, certainly in people, you know, living now. So the response to the coronavirus global pandemic has been very different from very different quarters. One thing maybe to talk about first is how leaders are responding, maybe like governmentally and politically. And that, I think it's interesting how different 
leaders are responding according to their different cultures. But in general, what we're seeing is leaders staying very calm and working together. And, you know, I think this can be sort of one of the takeaway lessons when we, you know, when this is over, hopefully in the next couple of months when this is over and people start to reflect back and think about, you know, what worked well. And I think the big picture is that all the kind of petty arguments and wars and that is all like put to one side now because we are having to focus on our actual health and in some cases survival and so the leaders are unifying and collaborating and doing what's best for the people and all the other like unnecessary politicking and petty behaviors are being pushed to one side what i really sort of admire in the human race is this sort of resilience you know and and show an acts of strong leadership you know when when we need it so i think that's kind of the first sort of reassuring message is to is to say that i really do feel especially here in the uk as well that the leaders are are stepping up and really responding as and when it's necessary although we don't want to be in the situation mm. now is the time for the leaders to kind of step up and show what they're made of because i remember in 2008 the global financial crisis that hit mm-hmm. you know things like this can be really good for or really bad depending on on how they handle it but can be really good for a leader's popularity if it's you know handled yeah. well i remember gordon brown at the time absolutely soaring in the estimations of everyone because yeah. he really took charge of the situation. He's obviously an economist. He really knew his stuff and he was able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And and I remember all of the parties sort of coming together saying, right, now is not the time for politics. Now is the time for us to actually have our best brains sort of working together and trying yeah. to find a solution for that. Well, I think people respond well to that. You know, we're not we're not interested in, in sort of political infighting or whatever in times like this. Yeah. We just want to know we're going to be okay. Do you think that's something they could look to extend beyond times <laughs> yeah. of crisis? But yes, wouldn't it be amazing? Like if people, you know, like in a moment of crisis, they dig deep and they can bring their best selves forward. Wouldn't it be amazing if they could just remember that ongoing as well? But I, I'm seeing already kind of examples of that already happening because if I look back to the the global banking crisis that you refer to, I, I just, when I was watching the Chancellor yesterday on the television and the measures and how quickly they're rolling out very sensible, practical, helpful, useful arrangements, whether it's mortgage holidays or business rate relief. And I was thinking, wow, it's like they... They're ready. You know, they learned. I feel like it was a more panicky situation with the global recession, both recently sudden. This is this feels sudden, but temporary. So a little bit different. But I sort of feel like there has been a leadership experience and resilience built up inherent now and maybe not so taking so long to access. You know, it's kind of there and faster to tap into it. I think that's that's a real positive. I mean, one of the things that Boris Johnson has been criticised for throughout his tenure, mm-hmm. I th- I think rightly, personally, but I mean, anyone who listens to this podcast is going to know where, where my political allegiances lie. But I mean, that's mm-hmm. sort of by the by here. I think f- he's been fairly criticised for the way he's behaved with regards to the media and communicating mm-hmm. his policies. And I yeah. think he's been fairly criticised over that with regards to communicating 
messages around coronavirus. So, for example, you know, who has been given access to those messages and and things like that? How important is good communication in a leader? So, yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, so communication is so important. It would be like alongside the stay calm message would be a second message of communicate, communicate, communicate. Yeah, for example, in a crisis, people need to communicate more regularly and more often with their people. So even if you have nothing to say, you should never cancel a communication session. You should always hold it, if only just to share that there is nothing new to say, but that plans are being worked on and take the opportunity to be encouraging and to reassure people. So I think this is where, like during a crisis, you know, people look to their leaders, they look to others to have some answers. And even if the leader doesn't have the answer, they can communicate, we don't have the answer yet, but here's what we're doing to work on it. And in our next communication session, we will share with you our progress. It gives still the impression that they are in charge and in control and that in itself is very helpful for people in a crisis. So how much of leadership is actually sort of in a way smoke and mirrors like how much of it is substantial and how much of it is kind of like appearing to know what you're doing and appearing to sort of take charge of a situation? The word leadership and leader it's 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 used so often it's almost like you know the word parent you know mm-hmm. it's a word but it doesn't calibrate how good you are and I feel like it's been used so much that it's become sort of almost misunderstood as a term so so basically just when we talk about leadership we mean someone who has set out a clear vision can bring people with them and can deliver great results so in terms of, you know, how much of it is smoke and mirrors or how much of it is really true leadership, well, the real true acts of leadership that can take place at the moment is, number one, understanding the bigger picture. So in, in context of a vision, understanding the bigger picture, which is this is, you know, a temporary phase and we need to accept that it's happening, but we need to plan for it, but realize it's most likely things will return to normal. So that's the f- sort of first thing is the ability to see the bigger picture And then the second thing in terms of bringing people with you, and that's what brings in the things about, even if it's sometimes smoke and mirrors, but that ability to stay calm, to role model calm, to help others to be calm. And the reason why is because fear itself is like another unhealthy virus, can spread panic and unhelpful behaviors. It can escalate into aggressive scenarios like that are like far worse for more people than how the coronavirus will affect them. So the ability to sort of manage, like leaders talk a lot about emotional intelligence, which is basically about the ability to manage your own emotions. So if leaders have been working on this or if they do have it, then this will be very good to come to the fore at the moment, which is manage their emotions. And emotions are viral, so that in itself will manage the emotions of other others. So even if they don't know the answer, they can at least stay calm. So it's not a trick in that sense, but it is a technique, a very good tactic to to deploy. And then the final thing in terms of getting results, which is as long as they can maintain their the survival of their businesses um, or maintain the goodwill of their people or their customers throughout the crisis, then that's an indication that all their efforts will have been worth it. You know, like mm. you can't really be a you can't really be a good leader if you've got like all these ideas, but they were all sort of rubbish in the end. You know, I guess if you've shown good leadership prior to now, hopefully, fingers crossed. Obviously, some things are sort of a little bit beyond 
the control of businesses and whatnot at the moment, but hopefully you'll be rewarded for that now. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I, I do think so. Like if people have taken the job of their leadership seriously, then they have built up those skills and now is a good time to deploy them effectively. But then I would also say that you don't need to have the title of leader to be a leader. No, you know? of course not. Like you can, yeah, you can empower yourself. You can, you know, you can think for yourself. You know, you can be resourceful. You can, you know, so like you might be the one in the organization who comes up with the best idea. I wouldn't be relying on the, those at the very top or the CEO or even your boss. You know, it is, a, it is a case of everybody's in this together and emotional intelligence is not just like what those at the top have. They're supposed to have it, but well, you'll yes. find it's very much more democratic than that. <laughs> yeah. So I guess what you're talking about is sort of managing upwards, which I think is something that is, yeah, if you, a very useful skill for people, obviously, if they're able to do it, which is really yeah. about influencing people. Yeah. And you know what? There's this thing that almost you can't account for it, but there's a thing called common sense, you know, which, yes. you know, might be wrapped up in sort of, it's, I guess it's called good judgment and all the rest of it. But some people have just great common sense. And I think that is what's needed now as well in terms of when, like, so leaders don't need to be afraid to make decisions. And when they are making decisions, just be sensible. So what I mean by that, say, for example, I'm hearing a lot about worst case scenarios, mm. but like, I don't think leaders should be getting involved with worst case scenarios because that's a very fear driven, you know, thought process because the, what's the definition of worst? I mean, that sort of spirals out of control. I think leaders, you know, need to stay calm and plan for and set priorities for the most likely scenario or the most probable scenario. You but, know, and that keeps them sort of bounded as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, I do think I, you're talking to a, a former civil servant here. So uh, I do think there is value in being prepared for more than one eventuality and for being prepared for an eventuality that is perhaps worse than another eventuality. But I don't see that there's any help. For example, we talked about this on the podcast the other week. I don't think there's any help or sense, for example, in media publications printing worst-case scenarios and things like yeah. that because we don't know what's going to happen. And, yeah, the panic that sets in, I think you're absolutely right, can be worse than the problem itself. So, for example, the shortage of food, the shortage of loo roll, that's mm -hmm. all caused by <laughs> panic. That's not caused yeah. by the virus. And actually that will make life a lot harder for a lot of people than the actual yeah. illness itself. And also, I think I just, you know, this Lural phenomenon is <laughs> going to be talked about yeah. for years yeah. to come. But what I what strikes me is that orange juice would be more useful. You know, vitamin C, I know. you know, I keep going or Manuka it. honey or something. So, I, I, you know, that just comes down to, and it, like, although that's like us in our daily lives, it's the same with the leaders. They need to be focusing on what matters, you know. Now, you can start to see them getting their act together, actually. I mean, you've probably seen some emails already from some businesses, you know, whether yes. it's Waitrose or your local optician or wherever, whoever. I'm sort of like, they're very good, you know. So it's, you know, they're, they're basically saying what they're doing. Now, they can also be optimistic. You know, this is some, you know, most of us are going to get through it. And there can be an element of, I mean, I love an inspiring motto. I mean, Americans... Presidents are always great for the inspiring model. So, for example, Roosevelt 
with, you know, the only thing to fear is fear itself. And mm. JFK kind of echoed that when he was doing his inaugural presidential speech. And then, I mean, I love the British wartime motto of keep calm and carry on. <clears throat> and we see the Italians using a motto at the moment. I won't say it in Italian because I, I don't know how to, but it's, it basically translates as everything will be all right. So, you know, there are, we don't need to further victimize ourselves in the situation by being too gloomy. I feel like it's good to be, I think optimism is an important part of building your resilience. Absolutely. But I do just want to say on that note that people should absolutely listen to advice about social distancing and self-isolating and things like that. Yeah, for sure. So I think, yeah, like let's not all assume the absolute worst case scenario but of course we can avoid the worst case scenario by taking sensible steps that have been recommended to us by experts definitely (laughs) like i think people like have to yes take the advice and be sensible and um and just remain optimistic about the future that that's that's the thing like don't I think, you know, like maybe instead of saying, instead of saying don't, maybe I should say something like take the opportunity, you know. You know, what's very interesting would be we are being forced to slow down. So maybe that's kind of, you know, the way we're all so proud of how busy we are. Yeah. And, and now we're being forced, like, to slow down. That would be, I just think, a very interesting reset, maybe for the longer term as well. Because don't you find as well, even with your work, suddenly certain things aren't important anymore and well like that deadline well actually that whole project has gone away now so but also i thought it was critical last week but actually it turns out it's not critical at all you know and of course obviously hopefully the business leaders will show leadership in the community as well i mean i'm even seeing it on bbc local radio they've just launched an initiative called make a difference where every 15 minutes they are having a slot, you know, to communicate what's going on in the different communities in London, what you could avail of or how you could help um, in terms of local community efforts. And I mean, I think the lesson for leaders there is, you know, don't hold yourself up in the central headquarters and then only give information on a need to know. Like empower local teams to make, to make their own decisions as appropriate in their local communities. You can still have your umbrella mission as an organization, but you can also emp- empower local teams to operate, you know, within that set of that purpose and values to do what they feel is the right thing to do for their people and teams and for their customers. Hello, Hannah here. Just wanted to let you know that if you like what we do, you can help us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help, especially if you give us five stars. Did that sound threatening enough? Give us five stars. We've sort of talked in broad terms about leaders and and what makes a good one and what people are doing well at the moment. So I want to sort of take it back a little bit to kind of to the Labour leadership race, yeah. but just also still quite general. Obviously, the situation we have at the moment, we don't know. The the Labour Party were supposed to be electing a new leader at the beginning of April, mm-hmm. but we don't know yeah. now when that will be, if it will still be at the same time or if that will be postponed, but it should be happening soon regardless. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have a couple of candidates in that race that are women. So... I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how we equate leadership with masculinity and mm-hmm. how we see female leaders differently in society. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, okay. Well, there's a movement, and it's been afoot sort of for a while, to have more female attributes within the sort of leadership skill set. Which you is know, interesting, because so like, I think yeah. people generally think of leadership as as masculine, and I think people generally think that women need to take on male characteristics and attributes to be successful in leadership. Yeah. So there's yeah. a move away well, from that, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and there has been for for a while, I would even say, you know, in the last... Like I say, with the rise of globalisation and the, more of an understanding that you you can't have a kind of a macho style leadership top down like autocratic type of leadership skill anymore it has to be much more about collaboration empowering teams great communication skills responding in an organic way i mean there's a great you may have heard her uh, is it renee brown i think is her name but basically she's come out with a book that's like a huge hot topic at the moment called Vun- Around Vulnerability. So, you know, authenticity was a very hot topic um, like recently in leadership, but now it's all about vulnerability. And vulnerability is about a show of strength around not knowing all the answers. So it will say very relevant to today's scenario. But in other words, like before, there was this kind of concept like that the leader was strong because the leader knew all the answers. Mm. So if you want to call that a kind of a masculine type leadership... But now it is more that you're a strong leader if you're very comfortable with not knowing all the answers and empowering others to deliver sort of for you. So that's kind of in the context of AI and, you know, ever accelerating technologies where you, you just like it's, it's how it is now because you just can't have all the information. You can't know everything. Mm. It's like literally not possible. So with globalization and with accelerating technologies, these kind of more what we call feminine skills have become required or incorporated into the leadership skill set, whether that's a man or a woman. Isn't it bizarre to think of like the idea that vulnerability is seen as inherently female? Yeah, yeah, it is actually. It, it kind of comes under the bracket of soft skills. And, and but, but I suppose it's not a gender thing. It's kind of a little bit, but it's maybe sort of like when you think of yin and yang and you know male and female and you think of hard skills and soft skills it's sort of gone into you know the soft skills or what the women have but of course yeah but what i think the point is that these skills are required in men they are where they have come from whether men already had them or women have been you know more skilled in building these skills up then now both men and women leaders need to have these skills I mean, I think across all walks of life, there is real value to oneself and to others in being able to say, do you know what? I got that wrong, actually. Mm-hmm. And yeah. here's how I'm going to move on from that. Or I, or even just to say, I'm sorry, I, you know, to someone. To, mm-hmm. I, I think people underestimate the power of an apology. So when yeah. you talk about vulnerabilities, is is that the kind of thing you mean? Exactly. Having the sort of exactly strength it. to say, that was wrong and here's why and this is what I'll do differently. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly it, you know. And, and now there's a big buzz around just failure. Failure is totally fine, you know. Mistakes are great. You know, and the idea is that a mistake or a failure is you learn the lesson and then you reap the dividend forever. So it is the price worth paying. So there's kind of a whole reframe going on now in, in relation to how we view failure and mistakes. I mean, 
like it's a cultural thing too but I remember being on a short course in London Business School and the professor asked everybody to raise their hand it was an entrepreneurial course and uh, the professor said you know raise your hand if you've ever had a business and it's gone bankrupt and of course all the Americans like shot their hands up like delighted with themselves because that's seen as a badge of honor in, you know, in many circles in America. You look at Branson, he's been on the verge of mass bankruptcy and pulls himself back. Well, I'm Irish, but typically on this side of the world, we, you know, we're a bit culturally ashamed of failure, you know, but, but that's changing. I don't know if you've listened to Elizabeth Day's podcast, How to Fail, where it's basically all about celebrating failure because failure is okay. a learning opportunity. This is the buzz at the moment, which is be totally comfortable with failure because you know, everything's so challenging and you are going to mis- make mistakes and just be cool about it, learn from it and move on, you know. And, you know, it does it does build up your risk appetite, it does build up your confidence to think like that. So it's a positive movement. Absolutely. I think if you, I think if you are not sort of, I guess, shackled by the fear of failure, it gives you a bit more room to think more creatively about solutions. Yeah, exactly. And the thing about it is anyway that, it's all in your head anyway, so to speak, but fear paralyzes your performance, sense of shame paralyzes your performance and good decision making. You know, it's just negative spiraling and you may as well accept that mistakes will be made and learn from it and just move on. So while we say that there is a growing appreciation for a less sort of macho style of leadership and yeah. more and what is seen as rightly or wrongly more traditionally seen as sort of feminine traits yeah. despite that why do i feel like i see women still very heavily criticized in leadership positions and i, I mean maybe it's part of the same thing because i feel that a lot of women are criticized for taking on what are perceived as masculine leadership attributes so for example hillary clinton the way people would talk about her mm-hmm. so i remember being in the states yeah. and having a conversation with someone who said oh she's just really mean and i was like well yeah. do you think you'd say that about a man yeah, and they're oh, like I yeah, yeah. And I, I was like well i think you might say they were ambitious or exactly and weren't people saying oh and they said it of Theresa May as well. Like she sounds like my headmistress, yeah, and so bossy. And you're thinking, oh my god, <laughs> not like appropriate at all. So yes, I mean, I think so. Uh, obviously, and it's not just coming from men. Sorry, just dwell on the problem for a minute. It's not just coming from men either. It comes from other women. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, we saw that there was some report that came out in International Women's Day last week, wasn't there, where it said that a high percentage of women don't rate other women as well as men. I think that it was about either eight or nine in ten people said they were less confident in in women's abilities or or something like that. And a lot of them were women. Yes, I know. I mean, you know, what all this has done is that the women who are left, if you want to put it like that, are, are particularly impressive. And, like, I have noticed that myself. I mean, I, I'm often, because I work with a lot of men, because, unfortunately, it's mostly men in top mm. positions in leadership. But the women that I work with, I would say they're consistently impressive. They're very bright, high energy, kind of high potential, open to learning, ready to act. And it's because they've had to go through so much to get there. But it means that they are particularly impressive, I think, any woman in leadership. Do you think there is still a feeling among women in leadership that they have to kind of 
fit in with men? I think that that's certainly one thought process that is out there. But I I think there's also a shift away from that, which is, I mean, I love the whole Germaine Greer kind of point of view on this, which is that women shouldn't strive to be equal to men. Women should just set up systems of their own, you know? Mm. So in other words, you know, I don't, like I um, I would advocate that you don't have to fit in. You have to change the system. Yes. You know, I and make it work for yourself as a woman. So, so for example, I'm, I'm working with a CEO, a female CEO at the moment, who just only with a little bit of encouragement, but needed to be reminded that she doesn't have to work in the traditional way. She, she doesn't have to not collect her child from school. She, she can empower herself and especially as the CEO, and she can be a role model to others around just changing how she runs the business to suit a female perspective. And by the way, I'm not saying that women have to collect the children from the school. Mm. I'm just saying that if she feels like that's what she wants to do, she can empower herself to do that. See, the, the corporate system was set up by men for men, mm. and, and women don't need to fit into that. They can, as, and certainly as leaders... They can change the system, not even by advocating for change to the system. They can just change it themselves. They can just decide what they're going to do. If they get into those roles, they can. But if they struggle to get into those roles, then that is a a tougher challenge, as it were. Well, I mean, I I guess that is an indication of how important it is to have more women in leadership roles, reflecting that women do have different needs to men. And that's okay. Like We don't have to pretend that's not the case. That is the case, but it just needs to be catered for. So what can men do? What can male leaders do to help women? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Like, So it's all about inclusion. Like, that's the main thing. People can choose to be inclusive. I mean, just to bring it back to just like a very, like a non-leadership scenario, but I was organizing my daughter's birthday party, and I organized it for a Saturday afternoon at, uh, I think it's 4 o'clock sent it all out to the kids in the class. And one of the parents came back and said, unfortunately, we can't attend because we will be, I think it's at the temple and they were going to be observing Mm -hmm. the Sabbath, okay? So, and then I just thought, oh my God, like I have excluded, not ignorantly, you know, not knowingly, excluded that child from the birthday party. So I wrote back to him and I said, thank you so much for explaining. Like I sincerely apologize that I didn't think it through. And, you know, next year, for sure, I'll make sure that your child can be included. And, and I just thought, like, we're all going around ignorant all of the time, like making ignorant decisions. But we, if we can catch ourselves, and it's the same with leaders, you have to be alert to being more inclusive all of the time, whether that's when you're recruiting, whether that's during team meetings, whether that's during social work events, whether that's how you talk. You know, so I think the male leaders need to switch on their radar for inclusivity. That would help enormously. Absolutely. Okay. So, Nave, do you want to just tell us a little bit about Future Shaper, about, you know, what it's about and, and what, I guess it's not just for CEOs of major corporations. Mm-hmm. It's, it's for people to sort of learn about leadership skills and, and what they can take from those into their lives and their work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's a manual on how to be a great leader. 
And that's, as you say, it's for anybody, you know, no matter how junior, no matter how middle, no matter how senior. I've tried to break down. I have broken down what it is to be a leader now. And, and by that, I mean, we sort of need an upgrade on our leadership skills. So I've, uh, I've covered a process in terms of the kind of fundamentals of leadership and then this kind of evolution of leadership skill that we need to focus on for today in our uncertain times in business and, for example, now this current scenario. And so really, it's, I feel like even though there's hundreds and thousands of books written on leadership, a lot of the time it's sort of very reductive, but this is sort of the manual, the guide on the how-to. And it's like just released in March, so hopefully it'll be very relevant to the current situation. What else are you up to? Do you have sort of social media that we can follow for, I don't know, hints and tips and things like that? So I've actually, I've decided to set up um, a leadership academy called Prosper Leadership Academy with the goal being for everybody to prosper both. You know, I think one thing about in relation to leadership is some people feel like they have to sacrifice too much to be a leader. But I want people to know that you can succeed as a leader and succeed in, in life as well. So that's the prosperleadershipacademy.com. And that has all my published books to date. And as you say, it will be kept up to date. Uh, in fact, at the moment, I'm writing an article around how leaders, how to lead in a crisis. Mm-hmm. So very specific, sort of 800 words on that. And so I'll put that up there as well. Neve, thank you so much for chatting to us. Thanks so much, Jen. Hello, Mickey here to tell you how you can find out more about us. And that is if you want to follow us on Twitter. Standard Issue is at Standard Issue UK. I'm at Mixed Noonan. Hannah is at that Dunleavy and Jen is our Inspire Jen. And you can find out more about our views, opinions and general nonsense if you follow us over there. Look forward to having a natter. Standard Issue for all women.